welcome to the first episode of the 20 Minutes of Filler podcast. I'm your host, Jason Katarski, and today I have uh, someone with me who is going to be sort of a reoccurring character on the show, and his name is Andy Lennox. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, to get things rolling, I just thought that we would spend a couple minutes introducing ourselves uh, before we get into the heart of the show. So, Andy, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got into gaming, and, and and tell me about a great little game that you played growing up that, that has stuck with you over the years. Well, like many gamers, uh, my first brush with gaming was D&D. My, uh, my best friend's older brothers got me into it. Um, I got hooked when I was playing some dwarf character <laughs> that they handed to me, and I had lightning bolt javelins, and, they, and I threw a lightning bolt javelin, and it wiped out this whole army of orcs and instantaneously like i didn't understand any of the numbers in front of me i didn't know what was going on people were rolling dice i just knew i annihilated an army of orcs so i was hooked on gaming for life uh so every gaming moment after that is just chasing that first (laughs) chasing that first (laughs) experience so i from there it's like i went to the great little game that really got me hooked on little games even though looking back on it now it's not very little is uh, Magic the Gathering. You could play you could play a quick round or two at at lunchtime during uh in high school and uh that got me down the sorry sad trail of CCG tears where <laughs> I just spent every every bit of money. I actually got a part-time job one time specifically to buy more magic cards. <laughs> we could talk about that some other time. <laughs> oh, I've got I've got my magic story too. So. <laughs> and then from there, uh, I ended up stumbling upon games with a lot more replay value, with a lot less investment, uh, such as Carcassonne and Settlers of Catan, and um, that's yada yada yada. Here we are. <laughs> awesome. Well, so, at what point in your journey did you um, figure out that being in a rock and roll band was cooler than playing games? <laughs> that was about. <laughs> I never figured that out. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, I would often bring magic decks to like shows and stuff. <laughs> We'd play. We would play instead of like instead of mingling with fans. That's it's so dorky. Awesome. So yeah, yeah. Andy and I uh, both live in the same uh, town. Well, we used to live in the same town. He moved out to the suburbs, but uh, we we first met through the music scene. We were both playing in bands at the time, and we didn't really like hang out. But I think a few years later, we found out like, hey. These rock and roll dudes both are into these really geeky games. So uh, we started kind of connecting and and playing games together. And most recently, we've been working on a game together. So um, it's it's a fun fun experience to kind of you know connect uh, on that level, and then kind of take this gaming thing as far as I go. So here he is on my first uh, episode. Uh, I uh, I got into gaming similar. I I didn't play D and D, but um, my friend showed me Magic: The Gathering. And I was, I was all about it. We were taking back pop bottles <laughs> and digging in um, the couch cushions for change to go and buy new cards. And I, I, I stopped because I, I stopped playing because I started having dreams. <laughs> I was having dreams about this game, and I'm like, this is a problem. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was bad news. Um, but so I kind of left games for a long time, and I just was straight up rock and roller, you know. Yeah. And until, uh, until. Uh, my wife showed me Settlers of Catan, and uh, and I was hooked because it was something we could do together, something I could do at home. Just as I was kind of leaving my band, and and uh, I really fell in love. And then I started fiddling around with uh, designing games. My first published game 
Uh, it's called The Great Heartland Hall and Company, and it's from Dice Hate Me Games. They have a couple other games out, too. Um, one was Sprocket Games uh, in England uh, called Frog Flip that I designed with my four-year-old daughter. And then a couple more games I just signed with Crash Games and another game that will be coming out uh, from White Goblin Games. So my, my gaming journey has went from this thing of... Uh, of shame yeah of, of shame <laughs> to like totally embracing it it's 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 awesome so i mean this is kind of what i do for fun and now for extra income on the designing front but i just i just love games and it's great so one of the earliest experiences i could think about a good little game that 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 piqued my interest was uh gin rummy my mom and i played a lot of two-player games of gin rummy it was one of the first card games i played just a you know, simple set collection um i remember we went on a camping trip and I played cribbage with my grandpa and like I played him probably 15 times and he, I never won. I beat him on that 15th time and he never played with me again. <laughs> oh, brutal. Yeah, but brutal. I remember a lot of cribbage. Cribbage is good. That's that's a great little game. Just like it's one of those classics that that stick around that that is a little quirky, but you know, you, you once you learn it, like it's a game that can can be quick and you can kind of play in between other games same thing with uh you know those magic games i remember i tried to get into magic again i bought some cards and went and played in a local uh draft and and it was like a 10 minute game but i felt stupid so i decided i'm never ever playing again because (laughs) these kids were pros and and i was this old man who didn't even know anything (laughs) but um yeah so great little games you know that's what we're gonna be talking about so let's 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 get to it the whole idea for this show um it really sprung up out of my desire to just kind of share um, and, and dig into this the space of the filler game. Like these are the games that I love to play. If there's one genre of game, and and it's to say it's a genre, it isn't even really fitting because it, it's so many different genres have filler games. But um, the idea of these little games that that can get people into them quickly and they don't take up too much time. That, that's what my life looks like. I don't have a ton of time. Um, so I want to play a game that will be a meaningful experience in a little amount of time that I can share with the people that, that I love. So I thought, you know, this is where I design games. Like most of my games fit into this filler space. Games, uh, we'll, we'll kind of define this a little bit more later, but uh, less than an hour, you know, play quickly um, and you're easy to teach. But uh, so, so that's kind of the space where I design, the space where I play. And I just thought, you know, there's not a whole lot of anything that really focuses is on that kind of game space. So we thought, hey, let's do this 20 minutes of filler fod- podcast. And Andy's been kind of calling the podcast uh, the podcast you can listen to while you're downloading other podcasts. And uh, we just want it to be this quick thing because that's what that's what these filler games are like. So... Um, I thought a great way to start would be to spend some time kind of defining, like I mentioned, defining the filler game. So let's talk a little bit about about that. What are some of the key characteristics of a filler game? So why don't you go first, Andy? I think a filler game floats, like an ideal filler floats right around like the half hour in length. Um, We mentioned Magic a couple times, but I don't think that's a good example because of the time and effort you have to put into it outside of the actual gameplay like you can play around a magic in five minutes but there's a lot of investment there's a time investment outside of the actual gameplay so i don't think that's i don't think it fits well into that category sure yeah so, so you're talking to just like uh something you can just pull out and go something that takes maybe around a half an hour exactly um easy setup and teardown time so um i think Games like um, like Dominion, even though Dominion is a quick game that's easy for people to learn, I think there's a lot of setup time. 
There's a lot of teardown time. And it is, it is, it fe I don't know exactly what it is about Dominion, but it feels like more of an investment than what I would call a filler game. Sure, yeah. And, you know, when, whenever I pull that game out, like, we're, we're going to play that game at least three times, or it's not even worth, like, sorting through my dividers and, like, getting the yeah. deck set up uh, to play the game. So yeah, that that's that's important. Easy setup, easy teardown. Plays plays in a short amount of time. Not a whole lot of upfront prep work. Um, one of the things I, I think about is easy to teach to new players. Exactly. Um, what are what are games that uh, you can pull out and be playing within the first five minutes? I think that's really important for a filler because sometimes you just have a minute and, and you pull out a big box and new new gamers especially are going to feel like maybe overwhelmed maybe they're not even gamers yet you know so you don't want to overwhelm yeah. people you want to be able to say let's do this so you can just enjoy the the experience without having to worry about like how geeky this thing that we're, we're about yeah. to do anything is anything with like a learning curve that takes more than half the game to learn i think is probably safe to say it's not a filler yeah absolutely that's 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 a good point um any other ideas that come to mind um sometimes you can tell a filler by the size of the rule book <laughs> like uh a game i'm going to be talking about later it's the game seems complicated and it seems like hard to learn but the rule book is is a fold-out sheet it's easy to just jump in and start playing and, and and totally internalize all those rules really quickly i think if there's a lot of fiddliness to the rules and there's a lot of special cases it's gonna it and it's going to reflect in the rule book itself. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Rule sheet versus novel uh, of rules and, and kind of it, it gives you a sense of what the game is going to be like. I think that maybe in some ways theme plays a, an important role. Because um, mm. when, I, when I think about filler, and this is a little bit different than your approach, which I think we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that, um, is, is that... That, that thing where you can play a filler game with just about anybody um, to kind of get them interested, to show them a little glimpse of your world, you know? If I'm going to a family gathering, I'm not going to bring a zombie game, probably. I'm not going to bring... Uh... How cute are the zombies? <laughs> zombie oh, yeah, that, that's a good good point. They could be... If they're cute zombies, maybe. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to bring a theme that, that is more uh, accessible, that is lighter, that, that's more universal, more universal... Um, that that is almost, I mean, I don't want to say secondary to the to the game because I think that the theme can immerse you in the experience. But something that isn't just so out there and geeky that it's going to alienate people. I think that's a good point. Also, though, there's the difference between a filler and a gateway game. I think a lot of fillers are gateway games, but I don't necessarily think that a gateway game has to or a filler game has to be a gateway game as well. I think there's fillers for different audiences and a filler can be more catered toward a smaller audience and still be quick setup, quick to play, good easy to have a good gaming experience in a short amount of time. So, you know, one of the things you did mention when we first started talking about doing the show is that you just don't like the term filler. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about some of the problems with with kind of using that as a descriptor for these kind of little games? Yeah, so I've noticed my gaming habits have been geared toward playing mostly what people would call fillers lately. And That's because you come to my game night. And yeah. <laughs> well, and because I just enjoy them more and I have more time for them and you can really fit a lot of experience into a short amount of time. So 
I can tell four stories about what I did tonight instead of just one story that may or may not have been interesting. Mm -hmm. So, and the the term filler sort of comes from, oh, there's this group over here playing a like a three hour euro. There's this group over here playing a three hour euro. They started at different times, so the group that ends first plays fillers to pass the time until they can play like the main event, right? I don't have a main event as much anymore. I don't have that like three to four hour game that I'm trying to fit in. Like I'm, I'm not trying to fill the time between these between these games. What I'm doing is I'm bringing these games to play those games. Like I think it's demeaning to the game to call it filler, but it's you can't really get away from it. It's impossible to get away from the term at this point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will just have to live in. <laughs> I'll just have to accept that in silence. <laughs> For sure, yeah. One one of the things that that we've talked about before is is the idea that there's those big heavy games that seem like they're they're the the game that you know that everybody gathers for. But like, you know, these little games can can also serve to be the event itself. Um, you might pull out a game. Uh, I don't know something like Love Letter for for example, and you might want to play. Your friends might want to play that for hours just because it was it was such an engaging experience. You, you go to a you go to a convention, a game that I think that I've always treated as a filler, you know, Werewolf. Um, people play it all night and all day long. So that that small space, that kind of uh, that that small amount of time, you know, just they play it over and over again. That becomes the main event. But you're you're also right because they do serve that purpose for sometimes you know like you're, you're waiting for a group to gather and you're going to do something else and it's like do we wait an hour for the for the late guy before we start anything you know or do we just say like let's play these little short games until people show up you know and and I think that that's the way that the the, the term really shines because it fills out the space if it um, in any space you know like hey we have a half an hour lunch break let's get together and play some games they fill our time and uh, and and. And they can be the event, but uh, it just you, you can make the event about more than one game in that in that instance. True. So we, we talked about uh, the idea that these games are short, they're easy to teach, they're they're maybe kind of accessible, um, and they, they're good enough to be uh, the main event at times. But you know, so 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 that's kind of defining uh, a little bit about where we're at. Um, so for the next little bit, as we kind of wrap up, we're each going to share. Uh, a little bit about a filler that we paid, played in the last month or so. Um, so, Andy, just tell me about a great filler you played in the last month and what made it work for you as a filler and maybe who might be a good audience for the game. Uh, the game I played was Pixel Tactics. Um, it's a by Level 99 Games, designed by Brad Talton. Um, it's a two-player tactical battle game. If you're familiar with uh, Final Fantasy Tactics or some of the old... Uh, 8 to 16 bit games that involve that it's trying to simulate that but a battle between two armies the cards the cards themselves are very packed with information so it fails a little bit on some of our uh, criteria for for fillers but each card has five different actions that it can do and that sort of depends on what context the card is in the game starts by you fanning out some cards, flipping them over, and picking which leader you want your to build your army around. Each leader has like a different twist on the, on these basic simple rules. The rules are placing uh, placing different units in your a grid of people. You can draw more cards. You can attack other people with your heroes. You can discard a, 
a unit to issue an order to your army. You can restructure your army. There's a lot of strategic thinking and tactical reaction in the game. It rewards long-term pla uh, long planning be between turns. Like, I have to put this guy here in order to get this ability so that next turn I can do this and this and this. There's lots of wacky combos. and It rewards multiple plays because learning the deck can really help you to figure out. And, and two, both players have identical decks. Uh, but learning the deck can really help you dig in and figure out, all right, if I... If I can find this character and I can combine it with this character, I can, I can clear the my enemy's battlefield. I think this is a good filler for a very specific audience, and I think it's a good filler for an audience like me and Jason who are recovering magic addicts. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's definitely a lot going on in the game. We just we just learned the he just taught me the game right before we started recording, and it took about uh, 25 30 minutes. There is a lot going on, so it seems like it would be a filler for a group of pretty serious gamers. Um, yeah, I would definitely not pull like I would not pull Grandma into a game of Pixel Tactics. I would not get like my wife to play. She would look at five actions on each card and scoff and be like, "I'm not, I'm not learning this." <laughs> you can right. You know, and, and, and another good thing, uh, maybe this falls into like what makes a filler a filler. Um, halfway through the game. I started feeling like I had a grasp on what was going on. Mm -hmm. And um, so so as I'm playing, I was learning the game. And uh, did I win? Yeah, you won. <laughs> I won. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like so, so it's this game that like I, I'm learning as I go and I still have a chance of winning, you know? So that was that was a kind of a nice a nice thing that that uh, that I think kind of falls into the line of like the kind of games yeah. that I think about when I think about fillers. Yeah, that, there's a lot of luck. The decks are identical and there's no way you can plan out everything. So it's a good it's a good quick game. You get it in, you feel clever. It gives you that that hit that magic gives you, where you're like, ah, I feel clever for just figuring out this combo, and then you get to move on to something else. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's Pixel Tactics from Level Ninety Nine Games, and they have uh, it's it's fifty four cards uh, for about fifteen bucks on their website. So uh, Google Level Ninety Nine Games if you want to get some more uh, information about that. Uh, the game that I wanted to talk about, we just played at our game night earlier in the week, and it, it's. Uh, uh, by the guy who made Love Letter, uh, uh, Seiji Kanai, and, and it's uh, his new game uh, that's out from AEG called Cheaty Mages. So in the game, you uh, play wizards who are uh, betting on these creatures that are fighting in an arena, and you're a cheating wizard, hence the name, Cheaty Mages. Um, you're influencing the outcomes of the fight by kind of these these secret spells that you're casting. Some are secret, where you play these cards face down on a certain fighter. Uh, some that you place face up, and, and they, they're modifiers, you know, plus minus, you know, for different uh, uh, creatures to make them stronger, to make them weaker. So nobody knows for sure unless they check, you uh, do a magic check to kind of look at these cards to find out uh, what people are really doing. But at the beginning, you just kind of bet on these. Uh, you can bet on one, two, or three of these characters that are that are fighting in the arena. And there's a lot of bluffing. There's a lot of like trying to outthink the other players. Um, th there's a nice twist of of the judge uh, who comes out and says what certain kind of cards are allowed and not allowed. And at what point we uh, we we would start to kind of decide if if that creature was the winner or not. So it's this simple it's this simple idea. You put these animals out. You deal some cards. People take turns playing spells. And then at the end, you find out if if your your wizard bet on the right. Uh, dude or not and 
and it's it's also like pixel tactics it seems like the theme is a little less accessible it's a little more geared towards the geeks um who who maybe have played D D or magic because of the the spells and the fighting creatures um but the bluffing and the like we had a, a buddy there who who doesn't play games very often at all but he got right into it and you know seemed to enjoy the experience and in the whole game like one round took you know uh, probably about eight or ten minutes and you play three rounds so about a, another 25 minute game um 120 cards in the deck um with with a lot going on that that i don't feel like i feel like there's enough uh variation in the cards that it's not going to get get tiring to play that game uh anytime soon it's really great there's a there's a great head game that goes on where you're trying to bet on the right monster and ideally you don't want to be the only one who bet on the monster but you don't want everyone to bet on the same monster as you because then you're helping everyone win and a lot of like weird game theory stuff comes up i'm sure (laughs) yeah and there's a very like gotcha kind of cosmic encounter thing going on there and people are playing cards on your monster and you're not sure if they're like helping your monster or hurting your monster so you can look at them but you it's it's a great game and i think i think every time you play that game it's going to be a different story and it's going to be definitely crazy runaway leader issues (laughs) but it doesn't even matter it's one of those games where the story that you get to tell afterward is is a huge bonus good experience and and i think that's the thing that's the key um to these fillers uh and and for me cheating mages gave you a little more of this uh than pixel tactics did but it's not just that you're playing a game it's you're playing the people and there's an experience yeah. that is happening among all the players yeah, pixel tactics didn't doesn't have much of that pixel tactics has this is the system these are the cards can you exploit the system in the cards and i like that kind of game sometimes but then Cheating Mages has a, it's the total social game. Absolutely. Like, every card in it is totally broken and it doesn't matter. <laughs> because it's the social game. Absolutely. <laughs> well, all right, that, you know, that's about all the time we have. We went over a little bit, but, uh, you know, hey, it's the inaugural episode, so we're going to work out these kinks. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in to uh, 20 Minutes of Filler. I want to thank Andy Lennox for joining me. And I want to thank you guys, uh, thank you guys all for listening. We hope that you'll be coming back and that you'll help us spread the word about the show. And finally, we want to thank uh, our sponsor, Mark 3 Graphic Design, for some awesome logo work. You can check out their work at Mark 3, the number 3, uh, graphicdesign.com. He's worked on me, uh, some prototype stuff for me, does some great logo work. If you need somebody that does uh, good work, uh, give Marcus uh, a shout and tell him we sent you. So until next time, we, we just wish you lots of fun-filled gaming with your family and friends. Take care.